RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Tech Tuesday, there's that uh, that name that the marketing department spent weeks poring over before we, we came to that. Tech Tuesday with Stephen Sykes. Welcome back, Stephen. Good to hear and see you again. Thanks very much. I, I was thinking maybe we should call it T2. T2, that's more techy sounding. Well, it's like it's two, it's two T's, so you know you can say yeah, T two, yeah, T squared, yeah, T squared, or you go T cubed and go T squared. Um, I like, yeah, that that could be um, terrific. Tech Tuesday or whatever. And, and every episode, can we rename it so it'd be like episode three point and episode four point So T squared four point Yeah, we could like name it episode three point one four one two five six. No, no, no. you're getting too techy now. All right. So um, last uh, time we talked, it was emails and VPNs. Any feedback on that or anything more you want to add to what you said last week, which was very comprehensive, I'd have to say. Well, I have to say I'm quite embarrassed that um, there was one email provider I should have mentioned that I didn't, Um, and that's one called LavaBit. Lava as in what comes out of a volcano when it's angry. Um, bits bit so lava bit and the reason i should have mentioned that one is because that was the provider that edward snowden had been using when his revelations came out oh and the uh, fbi were after him as we know and when they went to lava bit and said give us everything you got on edward snowden lava bit said no and shut up shop so rather oh, than so they bailed Yep. Rather than give him up, they shut down their operations for a few years. Well, that's a, that's honour for you. Yeah. So if you want someone who's got your back uh, when you have, you know, if you've managed to get yourself elevated to that kind of status, um, they should come into bat for you, hopefully. So. Um, and I take it they didn't get the, the data. Pudding. They didn't get the data in the end. They never gave it up, right? Yeah, they said, yeah, no, we're not playing your game, so bye. Yeah, um, bye, <laughs> FBI. Yeah. Um, so that was Lava Bit. That's right, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, people overlook stuff sometimes. It, mm. At least you got it in in the end, and they deserve to be in. Okay, so let's talk about some of the topics uh, ahead that we're going to be touching on before we get into the main stuff today. Yeah. Um, so topics coming up. Um, thank you for some of the feedback. Um, it has uh, aligned quite nicely with what I had in mind. And so next week on Terrific Tech Tuesday. <laughs> T3. T3. Um, I'm going to talk about decentralization. So this is when you can have your cake and eat it, because if you can't, what's the point in cake? where you can do stuff like have your Google Docs, have your Google Drive, things like that, without relying on big tech. Uh, It also feeds quite nicely into uh, a system called Quartal, which a couple of people have uh, messaged in about, and something that's new and fandangled, well, it's not that new, but it might be to a lot of people, is Urbit. And then probably the week after that, uh, we'll look at um, my take on AI. So that'll be a nice juicy one too. Did you hear um, Jobs Langrieb, who'd written the book about you know not fearing AI? Did you hear what he had to say? I'm just curious. Yes, I did. I did. Um, I, 
I'm, I agree in the sense that um, I don't think it'll be any time, or at least in our lifetime, um, but I could be wrong, that AI will obtain any kind of level of consciousness that a human is capable of. Yeah. That, that said, um, I mean, I, AI, that name has been around since the 1950s. Yeah, it was sort of coined uh, a long time ago, further back than people think. Here's here's what I was thinking, because I've, I've had a few days to think about um, what Jobs had to say. And I've heard other physicists now, and we had one on Tom Campbell too recently, talking about how this is basically an information reality. It's based on um, on quantum packets of, of energy or, or points of whatever you want to think about. So it's digital in the end. And I've heard people say, um, you know, physicists, scientists, philosophers say that it's easier to create a virtual reality than a universe from scratch. And it's possible that um, intelligence, whatever it is, gets to a certain level. And we're starting kind of to see that in ourselves now where it's natural or evolutionary in a way to create a, a new reality, a virtual reality, which becomes so immersive and so good that it becomes for the whoever's in that reality, essentially the real thing. But then what they do is they get to a level and they start to tinker with it and they start to create the foundations of it. And you could, you could say that we're starting to see the very early stages of that now with digitization, AI, you know, spool ahead for 500 years and you, yeah, you, you never know. So, I well, wonder. I mean, even 10 years in the technology space is a really long time. That's just yeah. ten, 10 years. So, if you can create something so immersive that, you know, the, 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 the parameters of it sort of dissolve away, there are none, it is the reality, then you would never know that you, that you were in it, you know. Uh, and that's the, that's we're starting the, to try and create them now. Yes, that that was the premise of the first Matrix movie. When the question was, if you if you were asleep and you dreamed, and you were were unable to wake from that dream, how would you know the difference between the dream world and the real and the real world? That's right. But with the right sensory feedback, ticking all the boxes, and I experienced this. I'm not trying to dominate this, but uh, it interests me. And and you started it. Um, <laughs> Um, I, uh, for a while, um, used to do filming for airlines in the Southern Hemisphere, mainly in New Zealand and ANSET in a former life. And I went over to Melbourne and uh, we had a job to film their simulator base where they train, you know, pilots. Now, this is going back 20 years. So, I mean, there were sophisticated bits of equipment then, but in terms of, you know, compared to today for graphics and all of that, they were they weren't rudimentary, but they were nowhere near as good. My flight simulator's way better than the graphics they had on this thing. And I remember being in an Airbus A320 simulator filming a pilot being trained. Hmm. Anyway, and we came in, they did their training, and then, then they said, oh, do you want to see how this works? And we sort of mucked around with it. And we came into Melbourne, and he said, uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll set the brakes, the auto brakes, at, at the hardest setting. So... As soon as the wheels touch, the thing will stop, you know, like in no time. But the motion was turned off because it wore down the hydraulics. So mm. they turned the motion off. And I was standing there and we came and landed and these brakes went on. And you know what? I fell forward on my feet. Yeah. And there was no physics. Yeah. But my brain had decided that this was real enough 
that I'd forgotten that bit of it anyway, that it wasn't real. And I was reacting to no physics that were being anticipated by, you know, by me, the part of the brain that does that. And that's when I realized, boy, it's easy to transcend real yeah. to simulated. So I'll just, I'll just leave everybody with that. <laughs> I thought it also, um, follow up a little bit on how I mentioned about the CIA director who got caught um, having an affair. Now, while what I'm about to tell you is not uh, uh, any way endorsing or giving you tips on how to have an affair and avoid being caught. I'm, I'm making notes. I'm making yeah. notes here. Um, what happened was the CIA director, David um, Petraus, um had an affair with his biologist, not biologist. Biologist. biologist? Yeah. Well, I, Every, like everyone has a biologist, well, Stephen, you know, on, handy. On, on speed dial. Um, on the side. Yeah. Um, Paula Broad, um, Broadwell was her name, and they were communicating uh, using Gmail and had been leaving messages for each other in drafts, so emails weren't actually transmitted. They, and they thought they were getting away with it by doing that, right? Until um, Paula decided to send um threatening emails to Jill Kelly, a Florida woman who organized military social events. So then the FBI traced those threatening emails back to their origin, most likely from an IP address given up by Google, uh, to Paula Broadwell. So then the FBI got a, a warrant to monitor those email addresses, and then they stumbled upon the other email account where um, Patrels and Broadwell had left draft messages for each other. So that's how that oh. uncovered. Well, he's still, he's now a consultant and talks on all the media. So in the end, he didn't take a huge hit. No, no. Uh, I mean, he'd been in the service for like um, over three decades or something. Yeah. Um, I see what he says about the Ukraine war and I think he's he's taking drugs. But anyway, that's another story. Yeah. And maybe they know about that too because they've been monitoring the online ordering. Okay. So it wasn't anything directly related to that. He got caught in a dragnet kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so if, uh, if Paula Broadwell hadn't started sending threatening emails to someone else, then um, it could have gone on for longer. But you know, the truth has funny ways of um, the truth wants to be set free and it will find a way. Sooner yeah, it doesn't matter how convoluted or what, what channels it goes through, it, 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 it squeezes out in the end. It does. Yeah. Okay, so that's a very, um, um, that's a very clear message for people. If you're going to be doing this sort of stuff, though it's pretty unlikely that the average person is going to get caught up in an operation like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe um, chippy. Chippy, yeah. be careful with your emails. Yeah, just an FYI. Yeah, all right. Okay, so that's interesting how that came together. Yeah, I yes. was thinking about that after you mentioned that last time. Um, I was thinking about everything in my draft folder, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and in other news, uh, Meta, who is um, parent, uh, Facebook's parent company, has been fined a record-breaking 1.2 billion euros by that's 1.2 billion euros by the European Union regulators for violating EU privacy laws by transferring of personal data of Facebook users to servers in the United States. So they are, as you would anticipate, um, pushing back against uh, this ruling and the fine. 
but don't be too surprised if you see Meta starting a uh, give a little page um, to pay a fine like that. Do you think so? Isn't no. Mark Zuckerberg? No. Okay, you're being. No, yeah, I'm being facetious. Yeah, yeah, facetious, ironic, and all those things. Uh, okay, so it's like pharma. Okay, you take a few big hits every now and then, but in the big picture, cost of doing business. Pretty much, um, and they've got they've got six months to um, to comply with the ruling. Um, to basically get it sorted out. And this has sort of come about because the European laws don't quite align with the US ones. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, if you want to raise um, fund, you know, it's quicker to find a company 1.2 billion euros than it is to run a sausage sizzle. You could earn a lot more money faster. Um, yeah. Have you done the, um, have you run the, the numbers on that? How many sausage sizzles would it take? To get to that figure, it's probably it'd be in the millions, wouldn't it? I think people would have sausage fatigue. <laughs> I don't think we'd have enough sausages in the country for that. No, we might, you might need to start having the um, bio lab grown sausages to keep up. We have to import them from somewhere. Yes. So, so what were they? I, I'm, I, yeah, I knew about that story. My assumption was that any data they gather anywhere is shipped back to HQ somewhere. Um, I was surprised that they – I wasn't surprised they were doing that. No. Um, uh, it, it, it's almost like um, – I mean, such a fine it, – it's the biggest one ever, uh, well, so far, um, and because this was done under the um, uh, GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, uh, under Chapter 5, um, the most – the second largest uh, record was 746 million euros, uh, which was against uh, Amazon. Um, just a few what, what did they ago. do? Did they do the same sort of thing, did they? Ah, oh, more than likely. Um, oh, we're going to get to Amazon later on in this session. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Good. But, but, of course, you know, these shell companies um, have – sorry, these big companies have shell companies in, in Ireland because – um, the tax rate's like 12.5%. And so you're a big corporate, you want to pay less tax, then you set up a shell company um, somewhere else where, where things are good. They sold themselves pretty heavily to the tech sector, Ireland, didn't they, on yeah, the basis yeah, of that? Yeah, there's Apple and Google do the same thing as well. And, of course, you're kind of straddling a fine line there. Like, you know, Ireland can get, you know, get these tax rebates um, from these big tech companies, but at the same time, it's like, well, if we go find these people, they might just go find somewhere else. Yes, they'll get grumpy. They'll get grumpy. Yeah, they'll go and play their, take their toys and play in another sandpit. What what I was thinking, though, is surely um, Zuckerberg could say to them, well, we we took down all those Facebook pages when you asked us to, so, hey, you know, we're even. Yeah, well, did... They may have taken them away, but it doesn't mean to say it ever got deleted. Yeah, but they were, you know, direct back channel to the authorities. Mm. That's got to be worth something. That's got to be tradable when you've got 1.5 or 1.3 billion euros or whatever it is, um, fine ticket come through under your yeah. windscreen wiper. <laughs> yes. It would be <laughs> interesting to see if um, this uh, fine is dropped um, or not. Um We'll just have to wait for better breath. That might be a performative chest-beating act on behalf of the bureaucrats. 
It could be. It could be. It could also be sleight of hand. Oh, I can't trust anyone. All right, so that's a big fine. Um, and I think we're getting close to ranging in on our main topics now. And it, well, it's all about home security. And we've talked about CCTV cameras already, so I'm picking that they'll come into it. So, Oh, yeah. What, what do we need to know about home security without making us like a some sort of prison with lights that come on automatically and sirens and flashing things and little things that come up from, from inside the lawn? Oh, you mean the things they call sprinklers? Or are you talking about uh, uh, rock wheelers? Well, yeah. Now, there was a movie. Um, was it uh, Magnum P.I.? That had, uh, you know, yes. the, if someone breached the cordon, little oh, there was some, there was something I saw, and then little guns came up from uh, from out of the lawn, and you know, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that sounds about right. But um, yeah, so getting on to things that uh, a person might want to do with their existing home setup, you know, small wins without uh, necessarily completely throwing out all your stuff um, for something else. Um, your your router that connects all your devices at home. Um, I personally use something um, rather custom. I use a custom operating system in it, which um, it's not for the faint heart to do. Um, it's running software called OpenWRT. But uh, changes that you might want to do to your own router is go into its settings and you want to look for a setting that... Uh, is called DNS for Domain Name System. Now, by default, your router will get that kind of information from your internet service provider, and it will do so automatically. What you might want to consider doing is turning off the automatic acquisition of IP numbers for DNS and changing it to um, something called Quad9. Now, you can go to the website quad9.net, that's Q-U-A-D-9.net, and that's a Swiss-based DNS provider. The Swiss again. The Swiss again, yep. They're good like that, aren't they? They are good like that. And you can use their DNS numbers instead. It also has malware blocking if you don't happen to be using um, a VPN. So if your computer's end up fetching malware, then their DNS system will go, oh, hang on, let's uh, back up the truck there and not uh, allow that to get through. And DNS is like the is the phone book of the internet. So when you, you type in a, a web address, uh, it gets converted to an IP address. Humans um, are word-based, so words mean more to us than numbers, but for a computer, you know, you're, you're in the numbers world there. And the reason you might want to do this is because it helps um, you uh, mask what you're doing on the internet. Now, we're assuming you're not up to anything nefarious, but by looking at or using somebody else's DNS servers, you're not using your ISP's service. So if anyone goes and approaches your ISP and says, hey, what are this person doing on the internet? I go, well, I don't know. They're not even using our DNS services. So they, they can't that, that's, that. that's a good layer of security. Yeah. Um, nothing's a silver bullet. That always needs to be um, kept in the back of your mind. Um, it's another tool in the toolbox, right? So you, 
a builder doesn't rock up to a building site with only a hammer and expect to knock up a house. It just doesn't happen that way. It's just another another tool. And in your uh, router with wireless now, I it, prefer it, router. <laughs> well, it depends if you're talking about a, a woodworking tool. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Up to you. I did. Carry on. Yeah. Um, when you're using Wi-Fi, you need to keep in mind that passwords can be cracked. So um, you can use uh, tools that you can easily download. Um, particularly, there's a Linux distribution called Kali Linux, and you can set up a laptop to sniff the airwaves for wireless access points in the area, and you can set it, set it um, just brute force attacking the system. You, know, you can kind of mitigate against this a little bit by in your router, you can say, I only want to allow these computers or tablets or phones or whatever to connect. Like specific devices that have specific IDs. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So that's that's a that's a whitelisting. So all um, devices that are talked on a network, um, their network equipment has a thing called a MAC address. MAC is an abbreviation for medium access control, and it's uh, six pairs of hexadecimal numbers. And you can say, okay, I only want these devices to attach. That's not bulletproof either, because if someone really, really, really wants to get onto your network, they can have equipment that simply sniffs the airwaves for um, network traffic that's just whizzing around. Would they be sitting outside in the street in a van? Um, you don't have to have a van, but I mean, at least with a van, you, you you can have a coffee machine in there with you. But yeah, same same kind of thing. And you can do this kind of thing over long distances because usually Wi-Fi antennas, uh, the signal is radiated in three sixty degrees. But you can like use a a Pringles can, you know those chips, and, and you can make a thing called a cantina, and you can get the from an actual Pringles can. You're being serious. I'm being serious. Huh? And and you can focus. You can focus the the Wi-Fi uh, signal to, uh, like, I wouldn't say pinpoint accuracy, but you can certainly focus it to a particular um, place um, that is further away than what wireless might otherwise reach. I had this happen to uh, a friend of mine, actually. Um, somebody broke into his um, Wi-Fi network and started doing stuff and ended up with um, a large bill. Um, I think this was before everybody was uh, switched over to unlimited data amounts. So if you're paying for data, um, or even if you know you have a uh, a lower limit, you don't have unlimited data, then that could be something that could be a problem. Um, you certainly want to turn off. It, it it's it's kind of like you damned if you do, you damned if you don't. You better to not have Wi-Fi at all because you're under a constant um, Wi-Fi radiation electromagnetic soup. Yeah, we found out about that um, last week as well. Yeah. Um, uh, it's like having, well, the microwave on with the door open or something like that. Yeah, well, if, any, if you're going to have Wi-Fi on, turn it off at night because it can interfere with the brain's production of melatonin. Oh, dear. 
I've been sleeping for years with the Wi-Fi on. What's that done to me, Stephen? I don't know yet. <laughs> well, okay. I'm going to turn it off from now at night. Yep. You might also want to, like, uh, turn your phone off and not have it in the same room as you. But It's if- right next to my head. Yeah, that's probably not a good idea. Well, I like to listen to things, you know, when I sort of, when I get in and I like to catch up on, on some of the things and I put my little earbud in and I listen. Yep. Of course, it's a, you mean I can't do that? Well, I'm not saying you can't. I'm advising that you don't. Well, I, the, well choice have is, to, the choice is always yours. But but how would I, I, I'd have to have a cable. I'd have to have some other device to do that then to avoid the Wi-Fi then, wouldn't I? Well, yeah, you could. I mean, you can buy uh, Ethernet adapters for phones that you plug into the USB port, and you can you could plug it into a cable, or you could pre-download the stuff you wanted to listen to. Oh, I can't be bothered doing that. And I want it now. Ah, you want convenience. Okay, but I don't want to fry my, my brain cells either, you know, or interfere with my um, sleeping rhythms, whatever they are. If you think about it, in, I mean, you can say that, you could argue that, you know, you haven't experienced any negative um, uh, consequences, shall we say. But similarly, um, if I can make such a comparison, people for years and years and years have eaten food with gluten in them, and, and then all of a sudden one day they have an intolerance to it because the gut lining can no longer repair from the inflammation, and then all of a sudden they find they can't eat anything with gluten in it and all of a sudden things inside the body go snap. Yeah, but I might wake up one morning and sort of not know how to say things or something. Oh, uh, <laughs> like, not, sorry, but... who are you? Yeah. Yeah, I don't want that. It's 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 safer that, that you, you know, or better that you don't. And if you don't have a landline and you're wanting to, uh, you don't like the idea of having your phone turned off, then at least put it into aeroplane mode. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that so that it's not transmitting um, while you're sleeping. That so, way, I could download stuff and listen to it later. Yep. Without being connected. Yep. Or that bit turned off. Yeah. Yep. Uh, definitely. Um, you also, if you check to see if you already can do this, and not all of them can. If you've got any IoT devices, you know. Um, Fancy light bulbs, fan, um, switch smart switches, fridges, whatever. Uh, you want to have them on a guest Wi-Fi network because potentially those devices can be scanning what you've got on your home network and then broadcasting that information back to home base. You mean the fridge back. could be spying on you? Is that what you're telling me? Uh, in simple terms, yes. Oh, dear. Is there no end to this? Well, I mean, it's easy to throw your hands up and go, oh, I can't be bothered, it's just too much. Well, I can be bothered, but I never thought the fridge would spy on me or the toaster or the jug. Maybe not the toaster, but um, this is when people need to consider the technology choices that they make and need to be, in my view, encouraged to ask questions. Well, when you buy your fridge, you should ask that. Yeah, is this connected to a, a Wi-Fi network, and uh, could it um, has it got any software or any connectivity that could scan my private information? Do you think the sales rep could tell you that in Noel Leemings or something? Uh, who knows? Um, 
I mean, you could easily ask a few hard questions that I'm pretty sure they'd have no idea about. Um, although then, could, then they'll just think you're a smart ass, you know. Well, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Although you've got me, you, you've you've almost um, suggested uh, a little wee project that I could consider going doing and going to places like that and and asking some questions about smart appliances and asking those kinds of questions and see what yeah. kind of feedback I get. So you've you've done it now. Okay. Um, you put the thought in my head. That'll be for for program six point zero. Yeah. Yeah. But. Um, Yes. So the the idea with, with having those stuff on on a separate Wi-Fi network um, is just to keep things segregated from your main computers or tablets that you use, because you never know quite what they're scanning. Sorry, um, um, I know I keep interrupting, but a separate Wi-Fi network that's not a separate, completely separate standalone internet connection, is it? Is it? No, no, okay. no, it's not. So um, some Wi-Fi routers. Uh, you've got your main uh, wireless access point, and then you've got a guest one. Now, the, what's what attaches, to, um, well, not attaches, logs into the guest network can't see everything else, all the other devices you've got attached to your main network. Now, as far as your IoT devices are concerned, they're the only thing on the network. They can't see anything else. However, that kind of kind of uh, defeats the purpose of having IoT stuff. Um, and I don't have anything smart in the house, if you like, that I haven't made for myself because I know what the software is doing because I wrote the software. Okay. Well, your average Joe Blow is probably not going to be quite there. Um, but at least you can do things to mitigate. That's what we're talking about. Yes. Um and with with um, I mean, we've been told for a little while now that the proclaimed benefits of having a smart home are one of convenience, improved security, energy savings, maybe even resale value. Um, and of course, you can have all kinds of stuff in your house, like sophisticated security cameras, motion sensors, direct connections to private security companies, or even the police. And you can have things like key cards, biometric identification, so that's retinal scanning, fingerprint scanning, which is supposed to make entry more difficult. And the myth is that this kind of environment is more secure than non-automated ones. What they really are an invasive hive um, with electronic sensors. They gather, store, transmit data to third-party companies, including the manufacturers who made them in the first place, their marketing teams, and, of course, government agencies. Yep. So because of the, the way they build this, they build these things, they not only track your habits and your energy consumption, so they can tell you know when you're home and when you're not, based upon what's turned on, they also eavesdrop on conversations. In 2017, a lot of people got shocked when they learned that um, not only were there smart TVs recording conversations in a room, but Samsung sent these recordings to various agencies like the CIA. Oh, no. 
So you, you might remember me mentioning this guy on May the 9th when we talked. The former CIA Director General Michael Hayden mm. said to a TV host, Stephen um, Colbert, quote, there are bad people in the world that have Samsung TVs too. You want us to have the ability to uh. actually turn on that listening device inside the TV to learn that person's intentions. This is a wonderful capability, end quote. Now, this was the same guy who said, we kill people based on metadata. Okay. And Colbert, what was his reaction? Did he nod in agreement? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And everyone clapped and, and because someone put the sign up applause. It was probably more like, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more. Yeah. He's thinking, have I got any Samsungs? Yes, yeah. And I think I could have mentioned this the very first time we did Tech Tuesday. There was a guy in the UK who got curious about his LG TV when it started showing, um, it was suggesting things for him to watch based on what he'd been watching previously. So he got curious about this and he monitored the TV's activity um, over his Wi-Fi network. He analysed it with a laptop and he worked out that every button press on the remote control was going back to LG in South Korea. So they knew how he was using his telly and everyone else who had one the same. Yeah. And presumably they're rendering that information into something that's usable for them and saleable to others, I would imagine, too. Exactly. So they they know what you like because but they monitor and analyze how you interact with the product and find ways to leverage more money out of you and more data, which then gets sold. And data has been for a long time uh, been described as the new oil. Yeah. And of course, mix into that, you've got things like Alexa, which by design are always listening because they have to. Otherwise, how would it know when to order a pizza for you or to um, play music? things like that so it's always on eh? no matter what's being said or done in the background it's it's always hearing it it's always hearing it and the data that's collected isn't necessarily secure where it ends up like uh, researchers from the uk consumer organization which w-h-i-c-h and then they have a question mark at the end of it um in 2018 they exposed the floor in a smart home camera application which gave access to more than 200,000 passwords and device IDs. With this, live video feeds got exposed and direct lines of communications were open to those users through the camera's microphones. It gets worse. <laughs> a couple in Wisconsin, USA, um, said how that a cyber criminal access their smart home devices and harass them over a 24-hour period by fiddling with their Google Nest thermostat and cranked it up to 32 degrees. <laughs> Controlling their environment. Yeah. And, That's incredible. And of they talked they talk to the family through, um, through the cameras. Well, I could actually talk to them like, you I'm watching you. Pretty much. Uh, this is the voice of God, um, whatever. That'd be freaky. It would be. And the the Google Nest environment, you know, that's their line of smart devices and includes things like doorbells, smoke detectors, locks and speakers and a few other things. See, Google's response was that the um, this couple needed to use two-factor authentication to avoid this kind of attack. Um, 
and they said that the Nest system itself wasn't compromised, but they uh, got hit because their username and passwords had been exposed through data breaches on other oh, websites. Okay. Yep. But to them, I mean, that's just semantics, really, because it doesn't matter how, you know, whether it was through password breaches or the Nest system being compromised, they still ended up being targets. And Google also said that they needed to have extra protections and to use a Google account. But then, hey, that gives additional <laughs> additional reliance on double down, double down on yeah. on a big tech company. You've and just then, from. I'm sorry, carry on, and then I've got a little quick story for you. Okay, um, cool. I was going to go on to say that you know how I talked about um, the third party doctrine. Yep. So, because you're voluntarily giving your data to a third party company, police don't require a search warrant. In the old days, if they wanted to spy on someone, they'd have to go and convince the judge, we need to set up surveillance on these people. And here's the reasons why. But um, Amazon, who bought um, uh, ring cameras, uh, they've they've got a marketing company uh, which they're basing it on the shared community value of safety and it pretty much ignores civil liberties. By next year, the business of home automation is projected to exceed 17 billion US bucks. Wow, yeah. And Amazon are making their stake in this market with their Ring cameras, which they, they bought that in 2018. So with Ring's neighborhood surveillance, Amazon aggressively pursued video sharing partnerships with law enforcement, and they even had um, hosting parties at conferences. And the Washington Post in 2019 reported that more than 400 departments, police departments, across the USA had potential access to homeowners' video recordings. Oh dear, um, there's nowhere to hide. Um, I was just thinking though, if you're that if you're that lazy that you have to automate your home to that level, you kind of deserve what you get. I think. I yeah. mean, there's got to be a limit to that. I mean, what's wrong with just dimming down the lights manually or turning old on school. the yeah old school? Yeah. And what do you do? Sit there in the middle of your your room and and just point things at other things and never do anything pretty much yeah it's slothful sort of existence so so maybe you get what you deserve that little story i was going to tell you about um was i bought a barbie or we bought a barbie doll for one of our kids once for their birthday or christmas and uh and it was there for about two or three years in the barbie doll drawer because there were a whole bunch of them and um one afternoon um in their room and this Barbie doll, for the first time ever in about three years, said something just yeah. out of the blue. Yeah. Like, hello, or something. <laughs> it freaked me out. I it didn't was... even know it had the capability, but, it, you know, we had it for that long and it never said anything. And then suddenly, randomly, it, it said this thing. And I got quite a fright, i got to say. It was there, was, there was a... Um... I uh, can't remember the product, but it was a kid's toy um, that was designed to talk to entertain kids. And the German consumer watchdog um, was basically telling people to get rid of this thing because of its spine capabilities. 
Oh, okay. And what about see, things like baby monitors and, and things like that? Like, a lot of people have baby monitors. They're not hackable, are they? Yeah. Oh, okay. I should have just assumed. Uh, yeah, they're. Um, it does depend a lot on how well you set these things up, because at the yeah. end of the day, um, when you're making this kind of stuff and you've got competitors, the focus is to get the product built and out the door. Um, not to not to muck around, spending time on build, making something that actually has uh, your privacy um, in mind. So these people, they make these products like these cameras and these appliances, um, smart TVs. And part of what the business model of the physical item of technology is the data, the, the earning on the data side it can do as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, in several cities in the USA and in the UK, um, they've paid Amazon up to a, Hundred thousand US dollars and matching funds to subsidize cameras. This is you now going talking about ring cameras again that the police then use to sell at a discount to residents. <laughs> of and, course, and and this allows an interface for police to access all the ring cameras just with the touch of a button. Now, it's it's opt-in by default and. You can choose to opt out if you want to, if you know that you can, but can you foresee the unspoken message in doing that? Yeah, well, you've got something to hide. Yeah, you're a bad citizen and you don't care about stopping it, crime in your neighbourhood. It should always be um, opt-in, not opt-out. Surely. That's the moral. That's where the moral line's drawn anyway for me. Absolutely. Um, and police have maps of these camera locations and stored in the Amazon cloud and they can do what they want to with it. And given also that um, um, I think I talked about it a few weeks ago, there's the website, um, I think it's pronounced Weigel, W-I-G-L-E.net, which is a database of all the wireless access points on the planet. So if a ring camera is talking to one of those, it can find out where it is geographically speaking. So even if someone gifted you one of these or you pay for it with cash, doesn't matter because it can still work out where it is. Okay, so there's no fooling these people. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking while you're talking about all of this, let's helicopter up and think of smart cities because yeah. that is what you're talking about on a grand scale then, isn't it? Yes, yes. Pulling it all together. Yep. So, um, Google um, and other tech titans certainly have an interest in this sort of space because their claim is that it, you know, it it's the usual usual prissy sounding words of um, advertising. They say it provides maximum efficiency, safety, and economic growth, but they end up becoming the conductors of the orchestra of life. Um, a New York Times columnist, Farhad Manjo, instead described it as, I quote, a dystopian techno-capitalist hellscape. I go with that. Yeah. So there was a company called Sidewalk, Sidewalk Labs, which was backed by Google's parent company, Alphabet, announced some plans in 2017 to design a smart city on 12 acres of land um, in Toronto, I think it was a district called um, Keyside or something. It would have to be Canada. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, so it would be here. Yeah, well, 
we are, have been a test bed for a v- variety of technologies. Like, you know, we were the first to get FPOS. Yeah, I, I remember someone saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember as a kid the advertisements on TV by the National Bank, and there was this old guy taking money out of an ATM. Um, that's how I recall it anyway. Yeah, yeah. So so if it works in New Zealand or Canada, it's going to work anywhere, mate. Pretty much. The, this test site that made up had a microgrid um, power system, which was designed for driverless cars, and it included um, mixed-use spaces to um, try and bring down housing costs. Then you start looking at 15-minute cities and use central-enabled waste separation, and this was supposed to help with recycling um, and basically become a a global hub for urban innovation. But what this really is, if you think about it, it's a test bed to try out new technologies rather than try and talk about or discuss what might actually be best for people. Yeah, yeah, it's like a Trojan horse for wheeling out the next thing. Yeah, I mean, like, who's going to maintain the thing? I mean... Um, Sidewalk Labs in 2020 did announce they were going to cancel all this, um, their billion-dollar 12-acre city, um, and they blamed it on COVID um, as the reason they stopped. But if they hadn't run into opposition for doing this, they might well have gone through with it. Well, with COVID, they didn't need to do it because it was all being done anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> without all the without all the wiring. With it, yeah. Um, but that was their justification for, for pulling back uh, on it. Okay, well, the COVID's been used to, to justify everything, so I'm not surprised to hear that. Yes. But, but it's still, you, you, you can still imagine the technocrats itching to, you know, launch the first fully set up, what might have already happened, smart city. Well, that, that's kind of bleeding into our... Uh, everyday lives anyway, because we have surveillance cameras everywhere now. I, mean, I think at London, UK, is the most surveilled city on the planet. Yeah. And we are slowly but surely heading down the same path. Well, I've seen um, footage of, I think it's Oxford in England, where they've actually, uh, people ripped them out of the ground or super glued them in, one of the two. But they had those, you know, those, bollards that come out of the road at the end of streets. Yes, I've seen and, that. Yeah, and I think that was, that's designed. So if you've overstepped your, you know, access out, um, those things, when, when it senses you uh, approaching, those things come up and you can't drive any further. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's where, when things like that start to appear, you really know we're in trouble. Yes. This and it is- was good that the people vandalized them. Oh, I think, in my opinion, I think so too. I have a variety of thoughts that I'm not willing to discuss um, that would circumvent a whole bunch of this sort of thing. But uh, remember that technology is a two-edged sword. Um, we need to. Oh, you it. can fight back. Oh, of course you can. Yeah. Of course you can. Destroy the Death Star. Well, exactly. Maybe try anyway. Okay, well, that's handy to know. There'll be digital resistance groups. Oh well, if you if you choose, you know, technology wisely, you can still have all this stuff, but you don't need to give up security, or um, so you don't need to give up privacy in order to obtain security. We can have both. We should have both. We must have both. 
we must insist on both. Sounds like, though, if you want to have a smart house, you're going to have to do a lot of research. Well, um, if you want to have a, you know, uh, camera system, then, you know, it's, uh, again, may not be for the faint-hearted, but you can build your own. Um, you can buy, um, there's a lot of ways of going about this. Um, I've built uh, cameras out of smart, sorry, out of dummy camera housings. You know, the dome cameras, you, you know, the dummy ones mm-hmm. you can buy mm-hmm. from places like JCAR. Um, I've fitted them into smoke detectors um, with cameras and a little Raspberry Pi computer in there, which then talks to a network. And you can have all the um, video feeding um, and have that recorded if you really, really want to. But make mm. no illusion that when you've got things like ring cameras, which are sending you notifications every time someone walks past your house, you don't. You're not buying security. You're buying paranoia. Yeah, and endlessly having to look. Yeah, it's like oh my gosh, somebody walked past the house walking their dog. How dare they? <laughs> I better have a look. Um, I remember back when people would put those stickers like alarm fitted in here but yes. there wasn't one in there, yes. like as a deterrent. Um, I was just thinking as you're talking about, you know, dome housings, you could put them in very prominent locations, but there's like nothing in them. Yes, yes. I mean, you can buy things like that that do nothing and they look the part um, and they just have a flashing LED in them. Yeah. And there's, there's other ones that have. Exactly, as long as something's flashing in there. That's the yeah. thing. Yeah, and you can get other ones that have um, infrared LEDs that turn on only at night time. So when someone sees it, the idea is to give the impression that that's a camera that has night vision capabilities, even though it's gutless and it's just got a couple, you know, couple of AA batteries um, powering a ring of infrared LEDs. I reckon you'd burn off about ninety nine percent of the threat just with that. Yeah, well, I do recall. I can't remember where I saw this, um, but when it came to car thieves. Pretty much, uh, there was a car thief who who turned good. Uh, if they saw a flashing light inside a car, they just walked away. They didn't want to take the chance that no. it, it might be real or it might not be real. Yep. Just move on to the next easy target. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we've covered quite a bit. We're going to have to wind it up um, on uh, time here, so... Summarizing, any last words? Uh, any sage advice? Oh, we don't have time for sage advice. <laughs> Actually, you've just been giving it. Yeah, I guess. You didn't even realize it. Well, you know, when I get started, sometimes I have I have trouble stopping. Just ask anyone. If I'm ever feeling under threat, I know where to come and stay for a while. No, you don't. Anonymize you don't where, myself. You don't, know okay. where, you don't know where I am. Oh, well, I'll find something to track you. <laughs> Not. You're completely off the grid there digitally, I would imagine. No, but it's it's something that people should think about. I mean, I really I really hadn't thought about the appliances. Yeah. Well, you know. Not, not that I've got, a, a you know, all new appliances, but at some point people have to update. And it's not like you can buy an old one. Yeah. I mean, eventually they'll, you know, probably just go away and – uh, I know of, I, I don't know what the brand was, but the many smart TVs now, I'm not saying all of them, but many, um, you can't tend to set them up unless it's connected to the internet. Yeah, that's that's a point. And yeah. that's a tell. 
isn't it? That's a tell right there. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you have to set it up um, and connect to the internet, then okay. And then after that, so so it actually works, connected. right? So it actually yeah. works, not just to get you Netflix, but so the TV itself works. Yeah, yeah, um, and then disconnected from the internet. But then again, well, some people might say, well, that's stupid thing to say because how do I watch my Netflix and stuff? Well, the way I I do this is I have something separate from the TV. I mean, I still have a 2011 um, 42-inch LG TV that actually 3Ds any input you give it at all. Um, Oh, so it turns anything into a 3D picture? Anything. You can watch live TV in 3D just by pushing And what, old episodes of Star Trek and um, Knight Rider? Particularly Knight Rider, yes. Um, (laughs) It's like you're in the car. Well, I, I kind of I watched the power consumption. I had a power meter attached, and when you turn on the 3D mode, the power consumption of the TV quite literally doubles. Oh, so that extra dimension. Well, it's 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 doing real time image processing. That's clever. And and then the the glasses that you put on uh, at the movie theater, um, these are the not the active glasses, but the passive ones. So the ones you might get at Hoyt's, for example, um, you can use those. Okay. Oh, so you have to have the glasses on. Yeah, I forgot about them. Yeah. Uh, otherwise you get a headache looking at a blurry picture. But you can yeah, you can 3D fire anything. So I plug something else into the TV to do the Netflix stuff, to do the Neon, to do the Disney Plus. Well, it's a line-in or something like that. Yeah, just yeah, just plugging into the HDMI input. Oh, HDMI, just, yeah, 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 and uh, and just have things segregated because if your TV digital apartheid, yeah, pretty much. So if you've got uh, something else that's providing those services, those TV streaming services for you, then the TV can attempt to listen in on your conversations as much as it wants. But if it can't phone home because it's not connected to the network either via cable or wirelessly, it's not a lot of good as a spy tool. Man. All right. Okay. Well, a lot to think about um, there, and you're happy to take any questions. And we're hoping that that bloggy thing goes up soon too so that can become a point for people to of reference and people can go in and, and find out more. Yes, that's that's kind of my fault. Um, yeah, I, I suck at balancing things. Um, but <laughs> so over this weekend, yeah, um, and and uh, uh, Katie, if you're listening, if you could check over that template letter for um, OIA requests about surveillance cameras, that would be grand. Yeah, did you hear that, Katie? No pressure. No pressure. Mm. All right, uh, that's our Tech Tuesday with Stephen Sykes. Um, from Christchurch, our Tech Tuesday guru, expert. I think I uh, I landed on guru. Yeah, I think it changes week to week. Yeah, I, but I try and avoid expert. Yeah. I think that that word is forever sullied. I think I think you're right. Yeah. 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 No more experts, and I don't want to hear peer reviewed ever either. <laughs> okay. So I have, none of your work is peer reviewed. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, and don't bother fact-checking. All right, Stephen, good to catch up with you again. We'll talk again next Tuesday. 
Sounds great. See you then. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.